Ronnie here coming in before the show. And let me tell you, we have a very exciting podcast today. Not only are we discussing one of Aqua Teen's most popular episodes, but also, spoilers, we're joined by both Aqua Teen co-creators, Matt Malero and Dave Willis, to talk all about Hand Banana. And also along the way, they're dropping some, uh, some little teasers for some things we might expect to see in the upcoming season that is coming out later this month. But before we get to all of that fun stuff, we have some not-so-fun stuff to talk about. In the episode we're covering, Hand Banana, the episode revolves around Carl getting raped by a dog creature thing that the Aqua Teens create. Of course, if that concept alone makes you uncomfortable, you're not going to want to listen to this one. But I just want to come in now and be on record as saying that rape itself is not funny it is not acceptable, and it is one of the worst things that humanity is capable of, full stop. I'm sure you agree with me on that. If you don't, then turn this podcast off because I don't want to entertain you. But it's worth mentioning here that, you know, we're laughing at this scumbag character. Carl is not a good guy. We're laughing at him getting raped by this creature thing that isn't even real, right? It's, it's all absurd. It's all nonsense. I'm sure you understand where I'm coming from with this, but I am a little bit uncomfortable putting an episode like this out there. But again, I trust that you're not going to misinterpret my enjoyment of this episode as anything other than that, which is laughing at an Aqua Teen episode, right? Like we laugh when Carl gets killed, but I wouldn't laugh when somebody would get killed in real life. And the reason I want to say this now is I don't want to have to keep stopping the podcast to emphasize this point. So please keep this point in mind as we go through this. And the last thing I want to say is that I've donated the entirety of last month's Patreon earnings, which was $237.35, to the Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network, known as RAIN, which is an organization that offers services to those affected by sexual violence. So I wanted you to know where I stand on that. You know, we're just here to have a good time and bond over our shared love of this show. So what do you say that we go do that right now? Dancing is forbidden. Yoo-hoo, running crew, welcome to Dancing is Forbidden, an Aqua Teen Hunger Force exploration. I am Ronnie, and on this podcast, I am watching through and talking about every Aqua Teen episode, one episode at a time. And the episode we are watching through and talking about this week is Season 4, Episode 5, Hand Banana. Tonight, you... <laughs> what do you think he means? Tonight, you. <laughs> like he's threatening me or something. Hand Banana making its Adult Swim television debut on October 29th, 2006. And in this episode, Frylock creates a genetically mutated dog for Meatwad named Hand Banana, who soon begins to periodically rape Carl. And... It's Hand Banana. This is one of the most popular episodes of the show. In fact, it has a 9.1 out of 10 on IMDb. And I very rarely mention IMDb scores here, especially at the beginning of the episode. But it's Hand Banana. This is a lot of people's favorite episode, including Master Shake's voice actor Dana Snyder. This is one of his favorites. 
And it's easy to see why. We'll get into these reasons throughout the podcast. But this is one I had seen, not back in 2006. If you listen to the Dickisode coverage, our last deep dive, I saw this one at the same time as Dickisode. A girl I was dating back in 2008, her dad had the Volume 5 DVD, which is the DVD set that both of those episodes are on, and she showed me Dickisode, and then she showed me Hand Banana. And having been an Aqua Teen fan for years before that, but not having seen these newer episodes, I was surprised by the direction that the show had gone in as compared to the seasons I was familiar with, the first two seasons, that these episodes were just more in-your-face with their crassness and their crudeness. But even though I don't remember my exact reaction to this one, I remember liking it and being surprised by it. But having said that, I think this one does deserve its kind of its status as being this great Aqua Teen episode, uh, not even because of the content of the episode, just the execution of it. Is It's such a tight episode, and we'll be getting into that and more. Very excited to let you know I am joined today by Aqua Teen co-creators Dave Willis and Matt Malero. We're talking all about Hand Banana, their thoughts on it, kind of uh, the production behind it. So definitely stick around for that. Very excited for it. But you know, before we get into all that good stuff, we've got some other stuff to talk about. First up, our Aqua Teen news this week, November 26th. 2023 at 11:30 p.m. Eastern on Adult Swim next day on Max. Clear your schedule because that is when season 12 of Aqua Teen is debuting. Of course, I put up a quick announcement episode a couple weeks back with that, but we do have some new information and that is a beautiful trailer where we get to see a lot of these episodes or at least snippets of them. So link to that in the description. Watch the trailer. It's a good time. It's very exciting. And the thing is, I'm not entirely sure how these episodes are airing. So I had to ask Matt and Dave because I wasn't really sure. Are we getting all of them at once? Are we getting one a week? What's going on here? They, they all air at the same time overlaid. Oh, with the same perfect. Movie. Okay. Yeah. So it's like all five in 15 minutes. Attention spans are real low these days. So On five separate five separate channels. So <laughs> it'll be compete. you'll be competing. And we'll figure out which is the best most popular one based on the ratings (laughs) a rating system that no one else uses so there you have it all five of them being overlaid on top of each other and also airing independently on five separate adult swim channels of course uh we're just joking around they went on to tell me that it seems like the first two episodes are airing on the 26th and then after that it seems to be maybe one a week after that so I guess we'll have more information as we get closer to the date. So that is our Aqua Teen news this week. Of course, it's been very fun going through this with you. Yet another Aqua Teen launch. When I started this podcast, I didn't know how many of these we would get to do. I knew that we had Plantasm coming out, and that was it. And then it was like, oh, we also have Aqua Dunk, and now we have these five new episodes, and hopefully... There's many more. So that is our Aqua Teen news this week. I do want to say we do have some voice messages that were sent in, but this is going to be a long episode, so I'm going to keep holding on to those until later. But if you did send a voice message in, then I will be getting to those eventually. So, hey, let's see what was going on the week that Hand Banana debuted, huh? Playing a game all the way to the top of the box office this week, we have Saw 3 bringing in $33 million this week. 
Saw 3 breaking Saw 2's record of $31 million for the highest Halloween opening weekend. And we haven't really talked about Saw on this podcast, but this is the third one, and they've been releasing them every year since 2004. So Saw 1 came out in 2004, Saw 2 coming out in 2005. Here we are with Saw 3 coming out in 2006. I saw this one when it came out. I can't say I remember any specifics from it, though. But in this film, we have Jigsaw abducting a doctor in order to keep him alive while he watches his new apprentice put an unlucky citizen named Jeff through a brutal test. And there's actually some really cool trivia to this film. So first, we have to talk about a different film, Scary Movie 4, which came out six months previously in April of 2006. And we've talked about the scary movies here on the podcast, but they are spoof films of uh, basically whatever scary movies were popular at that time, as well as classic scary movies as well. So these films have a lot of spoofs in them. And in Scary Movie 4, they spoof the original Saw film. And to do that, they had to build a replica set of the initial Saw film, which takes place like in a bathroom somewhere. And you can actually see the Scary Movie 4 spoof set in Saw 3 because the the spoof set in Scary Movie 4 was so similar to the original Saw films that when in Saw 3 they had to kind of flash back to that bathroom, they actually approached the Scary Movie 4 producers asking if they can use this set and they said yes. So I think it goes to show the strength of these Scary Movie films that are, again, just spoofing horror films, but their set work was so exact that their spoof set ended up in an actual Saw film, which I think is amazing. And a different trivia piece for you, as the previous two Saw films, only the actors who appeared in the final scene of this film were given the complete script, which I'd like to point out is the complete opposite of Aqua Teen Hunger Force because I only had one line in the upcoming season, but I got the entire script, even though I didn't need it. But in Saw... That's not the case. Unless you're in the entire thing, you're not getting that full script. And speaking of Aqua Teen Hunger Force, I know this is a brutal torture for you to hear, but Saw 3 does not share any cast or crew with Aqua Teen. Very tragic, I know. Almost as painful as getting your eyeballs gouged out or your head ripped open or something like that. I know. We're all traumatized because of it, but we gotta move on. So Saw 3, it has a 6.2 out of 10 on IMDb, a 29% on Rotten Tomatoes. I don't think anybody feels like this is the best Saw film, but when I look at rankings of all the Saw films, this one, it's, you know, it's it's towards the top. It's not not an amazing film, but it's not one of the worst offerings that Saw would come to have, at least at this point in 2023. So that is our film this week. Let's give a sweet listen to our top Billboard album. I know, you might be confused here, okay, but our top album this week is still the same, 
great rock classics of our time by Rod Stewart. He sold over 184,000 copies of this record this week, and it's a record of cover songs of classic kind of rock songs. So you heard, you heard a cover there of some Credence Clearwater Revival. There's like a Bob Dylan cover. There's all sorts of covers on this thing. And it's not too different than what Rod Stewart had been doing for the past few years at this point. Up until this record, he had been releasing just covers of, of pop standards from the Great American Songbook. And this was in the vein of that because those records did very well. And he's kind of doing the same thing here. And given that we're talking about it, it's the top of the Billboard charts this week. This one did well, too. My main exposure to Rod Stewart is when I was a teenager in the like late aughts, early 2010s, looking through what was left of my parents' record collection. And my mom had so much Rod Stewart, and I didn't understand why. Because, especially for my mom, she liked a lot of hard rock and metal music. So I was like, why do you have so much Rod Stewart? And I was going through uh, just now and listening through some of his more classic records. Uh, Rod Stewart, I still don't get it. I still don't understand why he's as huge as he is. But it doesn't matter if I understand because it doesn't change the fact that he is dominating the Billboard charts this week. Let's move on and give a listen to our top single and get ready to shake that money maker. Get out of your chair. Shake your money maker like somebody about to pay you. I see you on my radar. Don't you act like you were afraid of she. You know I got it. If you want to come get it, stand next to this money like, hey, hey, hey. Shake your money maker like somebody about to pay you. Don't worry about them haters. Keep your nose up in the air. You know I got it. If you want to come get it, stand next to this money like, hey, hey, hey. Shake, shake, shake your money maker. Like you were shaking there for some paper. Took your mama nine months to make. Might as well shake what your mama gave you. All right, that is also Rod Stewart with Money Maker. No, <laughs> I'm kidding. That is Ludacris featuring Pharrell and the track actually produced by the Neptunes, which Pharrell was a member of. That track is Money Maker. This single was actually released three months previously and it did very well. However, it was kept out of the number one spot because of that little ditty we talked about in Dickisode, Justin Timberlake's Sexy Back. Uh, that song dominated the singles charts, so there was no room for Lil Ol' Ludacris until the end of October here to finally peek in with this song, which was doing very well. And three months later, it finally got its well-deserved number one spot. I can't say I remember this. I can't recall hearing this song at any point, but at the end of 2006, I was concerned with like like black metal music and stuff, so I don't know where I really would have heard this, but uh, maybe you recognize this one. Maybe this one's gotten you shaking your moneymaker, and let me tell you, it's got me shaking mine in 2023. So our top alternative track on the Billboard charts this week is one we talked about in our previous deep dive, The Killers, When You Were Young. Love this song. Love this band. Didn't really love it when I was young, but I love it now that I'm old. So moving on to our video games this week, let me tell you, this past week, the week that Hand Banana debuted, it was a very popular time for video games based on films and television. Let me walk you through a few of them here. We had cars coming to the Xbox 360. Life is a highway. You know, that the Rascal Flats game. That's coming out to Xbox 360. 
We have Marvel Ultimate Alliance coming to Windows, PlayStation 2, Xbox, Xbox 360, Game Boy Advance. We have Nacho Libre, you know, Jack Black, uh, he's, he's wrestling or something. I never saw that film, but, uh, but, so I don't know what it is. But that's coming to Nintendo DS. Uh, Nicktoons Battle for Volcano Island, uh, Reservoir Dogs, that film got a game this week. Uh, Star Wars Empire of War, Forces of Corruption came out. And, uh, you know, dun-dun, dun-dun. No, 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 no. We have Jaws Unleashed coming to Windows in Australia for our uh, listeners down under. So those are a few of the uh, film and television-based games coming out. We also had a lot of expansion packs like Fear Extraction Point and Guild Wars Nightfall coming out. So just a taste of the games coming out this week. There's a lot. And truthfully, nothing that seems super exciting to me individually uh, there is the Tom Clancy Splinter Cell Double Agent older gen version coming out this week, which is considered the better version, but I'm uh, sure you're already rolling your eyes at my very mention of that since I talked about that for like six hours in the Dickisode episode. So we'll, we'll leave it there. That's our video games this week. Look, it's October 29th, 2006, and you just hate anything completely new it, it scares you it spooks you i mean halloween's coming up the last thing you need is a new piece of intellectual property so you are loving saw three you're saying okay i saw saw one i saw saw two now it's saw three i know what to expect the, the, the gore and the violence doesn't scare me it's really just original ideas that are spooking me out so saw three you loved it you are bumping non-stop Rod Stewart's still the same great rock classics of our time because you love the rock classics and now you got Rod Stewart singing them. He's definitely not a new act at this point and you're just in your comfort zone here and really wrapping that up. You went to Best Buy and you bought a handful of games based on IP that you already know and love and you're just comfy cozy. Nothing is going to bring you out of this comfort zone. But I got bad news for you here. Uh, just, just some horrible news because our Adult Swim lineup this week, we have a bunch of new episodes. It's all right. It's it shows that you already know and love, but there's some new episodes. It's okay. I'll walk you through it. I'll hold your hand, imaginary person from 2006. So jumping in to our Adult Swim lineup on October 29th, 2006, starting off, keeping you cozy here at 10 p.m., we have not a new episode we have Futurama, The Cyber House Rules. But guess what? At 10.30 p.m., we've got the best new episode of all, Aqua Teen Hunger Force with Hand Banana. Again, a new episode. That's why we're doing this goddamn podcast right now. At 10.45 p.m., well, we got a classic for you. We have Aqua Teen Hunger Force again with Spirit Journey Formation Anniversary, one of my absolute all-time favorites of Aqua Teen. I mean, if you love Rush, if you love Zack Wilde, if you love dog shit, happy birthday songs, this is the episode for you. Of course, we've covered this on the podcast. Go check that one out. I fucking love this episode so much. So great back-to-back -back of Hand Banana and Spirit Journey. No complaints from me. 11 p.m., we have Family Guy with Mother Tucker. And this is not a new episode. It's a relatively new episode of Family Guy, but it is its first time airing on Adult Swim. It actually premiered last month on Fox. But this one, you have Peter's mom dating Tom Tucker, the, the news anchor of Family Guy. But you also have Brian and Stewie starting their own radio show 
which is a big influence for me for this podcast, seeing those guys do that radio show. Let me tell you, I love Family Guy. My wife's been watching through it. We, are, we re-upped our Hulu subscription. Well, technically, um, between you and me, our friends re-upped their Hulu subscription, so we're using it. And we are watching through Family Guy, and these episodes, I think, hold up. They're a lot of fun. So moving on to 11.30 p.m., we have Robot Chicken with Day at the Circus, a new episode, and still a show I'm not going to tell you the, the plot of because it's Robot Chicken. It's a sketch show. 11.45 p.m., we have Metalocalypse with Go Forth and Die. I don't know about you, but I'm just hearing that song in my head right now. Of course, we just covered Metalocalypse last week on the Patreon, and goddammit, that show holds up. Very fun, very great. 12 a.m., we have Squid Billies with the Tiniest Princess, this being a new episode. I- I'm gonna be like Oprah here. Next up, you get a new episode at 12.15 a.m., Harvey Birdman, Attorney at Law with Grodin. Frisky Dingo at 12.30, you get a new episode with Pimp My Revenue. And last but not least, at 12.45 a.m., 12-Ounce Mouse, you get a new episode with Auraful. So lots of new episodes this night. We're just getting bombarded with them. But then we close out the night with two not-new episodes. We have 1 a.m. with the Venture Bros, Victor Echo November, that episode debuting about two months previous, and then 1.30 a.m., closing out the night, Stroker and Hoop, Just Voodoo It, a.k.a. For Whom the Bear Trolls. So that is our lineup this week. Futurama, Aquatine, Aquatine again, Family Guy, Robot Chicken, Metalocalypse, Squidbillies, Harvey Birdman, Frisky Dingo, 12-Ounce Mouse, Venture Bros, and Stroker and Hoop. Quite the lineup and an exciting time seeing all these new episodes. Again, when we were covering Season 3 of Aquatine, Aquatine was typically the only new episode that night. So uh, it's definitely a change of pace here. Very exciting. But you know what's more exciting? Matt and Dave are on the podcast today. Why are you listening to just me? Let's go talk with Matt and Dave about Hand Banana. Check it out. Tonight, you will listen to me tell you about our amazing supporters, the Moon Masters, over at patreon.com slash dancingisforbidden, who chip in every single month to support this show and allow this show to continue. If it wasn't for these Moon Masters, I, I don't think that this podcast would still exist, so really from the bottom of my heart, thank you all, and you don't just get my thanks for signing up. If you sign up at the $5 and up level, you get access to over 28 exclusive episodes, which is about 30 hours of exclusive content over there. Also, you get to submit questions whenever I talk to any of the Aqua Teen guys, and getting his question answered by the Aqua Teen guys, Matt and Dave, today, we have SwimWiki, who signed up back in July at the number one in the Hood G tier level. You hear SwimWiki shout it out at the end of every podcast episode. And let me tell you, you could find SwimWiki on Twitter at SwimWiki2001. And the reason I'm telling you that is SwimWiki's got some goods you might be interested in. You see, SwimWiki is documenting all of Adult Swim history. And I'll put a link actually to these documents in the show notes because SwimWiki is doing great work so give him a follow on Twitter, and he's also on Instagram, as well at SwimWiki2001, and a lot of love from me for this project. 
for trying to bring this information to light, similarly to how we do here on the podcast, but for all of Adult Swim. And of course, SwimWiki being a supporter of this podcast, a major supporter, well, everything that I find here, that's his doing as well. And I want to say, SwimWiki doesn't know I'm saying any of this, okay? I mean, genuinely, it's a great project. If you love Adult Swim, give it a peep with your eyes. You got nothing to lose. It's free, unlike supporting this podcast. Let me tell you, that'll cost you. Coming up next, Aqua Teen Hunger Force. So getting into Hand Banana here, first of all, I was wondering, do you remember how you got the idea for the episode? For example, did one of you get a dog? No, I just remember throwing around the word banana hammock, <laughs> which turned into hand banana. So that's all I remember at all about that show. Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure how we God, I don't really remember. I just remember it kind of came together pretty quickly. Um, I mean, you know, rape obviously is never a funny subject unless I guess it happens to Carl by a demonic dog. <laughs> but uh, Well, yeah, I mean, let me tell you, before I even started recording the podcast, I was like, I don't know how I'm going to cover that episode. Like, I'm going to feel like I'm walking on eggshells the whole time. But <laughs> Well, we certainly didn't feel like we were walking on eggshells. <laughs> no, we, we, only write, we only write where we know. <laughs> <laughs> like ball and yeah. good. <laughs> It just felt very sinister. I don't, yeah. I don't know how we landed on that voice too, but that was sort of like the same. It was pretty similar voice to the, um, Randy, the circus, circus guy. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and we couldn't, and that was a knockoff Tom Waits because we couldn't get Tom Waits to originally do circus. We even sent him a check for, a personal check for $5 just to see if he would endorse it. And it never happened. And uh, so we, I don't think we bothered approaching him about the dog who rapes Carl uh, <laughs> character because <laughs> we had already been rejected once. We know our, we've learned our lesson with him. Uh, but like with hand banana, did you guys toy with the idea of getting somebody else or did you just inherently know that you were going to do it? I think we just started doing that little voice and that one phrase and it just worked in the, in the room, you know, with Dave doing it. So, I mean, sometimes we, I don't know, a lot of times it's just, it's just easier for one of us to do it. <laughs> sometimes you cast somebody and you're like, ah, oh, I kind of miss how this line read in the room. And so then we end up going back to one of us doing it. It is nice to, like, at the end of that episode, seeing the credits, it's just Dana, Carrie, Dave. Like, it's just this tight three people on this on this hu- this iconic episode of the show. But there's a part in the episode, I don't know if you'll remember this specific. I assume it, it would have came from Matt, if this is true. But uh, Shake says to name the dog Thunder Pussy. Was this maybe a reference to Alabama <laughs> Thunder Pussy? <laughs> oh, that line stayed? <laughs> it did, yes. Oh, dang. <laughs> Name it, name it Thunder Pussy. God, did that come from me? I do not know. I don't remember. I mean, it was either me or Dave because we're the only ones who write them. So. Right. Well, I just, didn't, I just didn't know if you were maybe a fan of Alabama Thunder Pussy. No, you know what? I don't know anything about them, but I know oh. Nashville Pussy. So, yeah. Do you know them? I don't think so. They're a band. Uh, the guitar player has another band called Nine Pound Hammer, and they did a bunch of mouse music. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I, I have heard yeah. of them. They're like a cow punk ACDC. 
so Ham Banana, of course, his catchphrase is tonight you. Is that maybe a reference to something or do you think that you guys came up with that off the top of your head? I think we came up with that. I think it was just that one, those two words put together that just struck fear in the car. It was fun <laughs> putting him in, into that situation. <laughs> in the episode uh, when Ham Banana's barking like a dog, I assume it was a stock noises. I know this is more of an editor question, but I don't know if, if maybe it was one of your dogs that, because I know sometimes you guys use your kids. I don't know if maybe it was your dog that you recorded or if it was just stock noises. I don't have a dog, so... Hmm. I'm trying to think if I if I had our dog... 2006. Uh, I don't think so. I don't think... Oh, my gosh. I don't think we had our dog uh, that early. Usually you try to get every once in a while, you know, you, the needle drop stuff is just... In the library is sometimes just so terrible that whenever you, whenever you can, like, record something with your phone, you we do it um but uh but yeah i don't know i'm not sure maybe it was ned uh ned one of our like long longtime editors yeah he edited that gen one generally drives drives around with seven dogs in his car at any <laughs> given time he and he's constantly he's never editing because he's constantly at the vet getting shots for them <laughs> or, or, or with his finger in their anus or with or trying to wrap uh, wonder bread around some pills he's got to give them <laughs> <laughs> i was like you should just go to vet school <laughs> <laughs> just cut out the middle man it'd save you probably a lot of money in the long run just to learn it yourself so that was oh six what what other episodes were in that season i'm trying because so before that we had dick episode uh, which i was emailing mm -hmm. you guys about after that i think it's party yeah. all the time where frylock gets cancer yeah. Um, <laughs> Moonawana, where the Moon and Knights, uh, they're burning tires <laughs> under that thing. <laughs> yeah, Ham Banana is like the hidden gem right there. <laughs> uh, well, well, we'll get to that. Uh, supporter of the show, Swim Wiki, wants to know how much did standards and practices affect the episode, if at all? Do you remember any pushback to this one, particularly about the touchy subject involved? I don't. I don't know. Um, we got pushback on it for the shorts but mm. 17 years later so <laughs> did we I don't remember did we what was the pushback on the shorts uh well you know there's there's we gotta go a little further with ham banana <laughs> i think there was just some concern i was surprised that we could show carl's like bare hairy buttocks Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was surprising. I showed my wife the episode for the first. She's she'd never seen it, so I showed it to her yesterday, and she, her her fucking jaw dropped at that. She was like, "What? Like they they could show that?" <laughs> he splayed out on the uh, on the lawn chair with his just ass up. What did he say? Oh, I'll go go to get some sun on these cinnamon rolls. Yeah, get, get some sun where the sun don't uh, shine. Get some sun where the sun don't shine. Yeah, interestingly, he thinks the dog is gone and immediately takes that opportunity to pull his pants yeah, down. <laughs> Something he's never done on the show before. Never, never once shown any sort of excitement for <laughs> to make himself that vulnerable. <laughs> and then, yeah, I, I think Hannah Banana comes in and he's like, are you based in that turkey or something like that? <laughs> <laughs> what? Oh, and I, I love it because Carl doesn't even like, like he sees Han Banana come up and he just stays there laying down. Like he doesn't, he doesn't even get up or anything. Because he just knows there's no escape. There's no fighting know? it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there's no fighting it. 
But I guess Ham Banana also like, God, it's been so long since I've heard it, but right. He, he can, I guess he can kind of telepathically link with Carl too, because no one else can hear him talk, but Carl. Yeah. He, he mind links. Yeah. Right. I mean, no yes. one else hears yeah, him talk. Correct. Yeah. In the episode, Carl, he, you know, to try and combat uh, Ham Banana, he fills all of his orifices with wacky glue. And looking it up, I was surprised that Wacky Glue wasn't a brand because I've certainly heard Wacky Glue before, but it's actually Crazy Glue that's the brand. I was just curious. I know there's a, a pretty famous Saturday Night Live sketch from 1985 about Wacky Glue, and I was curious if maybe you guys were, were inspired by that. No, we were just... No. We, had, we had to come up with a, a name of a, of a glue that doesn't exist. Okay, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> No, yeah, in not yeah. neither in r real life nor in comedy parody skits. Uh, <laughs> so uh, failed. Yeah, that was our take on Gorilla Glue. But crazy. I mean, we grew up with Crazy Glue. Like I grew up with Crazy Glue. Crazy Glue is still around, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah, where the guy like puts his helmet and puts it to the top of a metal beam, and then <laughs> then he could wave his arms like the the meat the beam goes up in the air six stories and he's like waving his arms <laughs> that was the commercial for it uh didn't he go up like way up yeah 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 he's waving his arms and legs and uh the helmet <laughs> that he's wearing is attached to the beam that's what i remember i don't know sure sure yeah yeah i was just looking at some of this i haven't seen ham banana in a very long time so they have a make your own dog kit yeah and then we got the little play school computer going into the <laughs> filthy pool with a crane. <laughs> I should have watched it before we did this podcast because I honestly I don't remember a lot of this episode. And then Shake puts his uh, hand in it, and then that's when it kind of kicked because they need to put DNA in it, which yeah is is funny. You'd think because the the pool's disgusting, you think there'd be some DNA in it at that point. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Some remnants of Carl floating around. I mean, yeah, like literally the last episode of the previous season, Carl's sitting in the pool farting and stuff, like filming himself doing it. You'd think there'd be something in there for them to, for the, for the DNA to latch onto. So support of the show, Christian, at the end of the episode, it ends with Shake saying that he doesn't have a bedroom. And Christian would like to know why Shake doesn't have a bedroom. He never has. Maybe maybe when they first rented the house, he called shotgun on the on the on the recliner, thinking he was <laughs> smart. And while he like sat in the recliner, the other two picked out their rooms. Plus, we've always described the house as a two bedroom, no bath. Uh, yeah, he's he's kind of stuck there in the den. Well, it's funny because there is a garage. Like you think that they could like convert the garage into a, a little bedroom for him or something, but. We've never seen the garage. Do you know that? That's yeah, it's true. Like in I think the only time we kind of see it is the first episode when the doors open when they're getting the danger card out for the first time. After yeah. like you we never go into it. There's also the no. crawl space too. Like I guess they could set him up in the crawl space if he really wanted a room enough, but I guess he's satisfied jacking off in Frylock's room <laughs> half the time, which is what he's doing in like at least once a season. Looking at well, his butt frenzy. Butt frenzy. <laughs> Somebody oh. got that tattooed like on their leg or something. They have a butt frenzy Oh my tattoo. God. <laughs> uh, yeah. I've, well, the, the crawl space makes a big dramatic return this season, actually. Really? So. Excellent. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's and awesome. 
Yeah. But I feel like Rick and Morty own garages now and forever for animated shows. <laughs> they beat you to it. You guys had like 14 years on them and you just slept on it. So Yeah, we just slept on it. <laughs> I'm looking up a Reddit that says, unpopular opinion, comma, I hate the hand banana episode. <laughs> <laughs> that is unpopular. And that does lead into my next question because hand banana, it has like a 9.1 out of 10 on IMDb and, and, even people I, I know in real life who aren't like super fans, that's their favorite episode when I talk to them about the show. And so many people love that show. Did you guys suspect when you were making it that it would go on to be one of the highest rated episodes of the show? Yeah, we knew we had, you know, there's there's this sort of tabernacle of ideas. And that was we <laughs> waited up until 06 to pull that one out. <laughs> What about you, Dave? Did you know at the time that it would go? Dave's going to say the exact same thing. Yes. Uh, I'm just, I'm looking. I don't get the love for it, honestly. <laughs> I'm not a fan of it either. <laughs> oh, they're banding there are together. People who like the show who I don't re recommend this particular episode to. Yes. <laughs> it's not a clever concept and it's pretty horrible. So I don't blame anyone for not liking it. All right. Well, I think we should just hang up then. I'm not even going to cover it on the podcast. I mean, these guys are on to something here. <laughs> but like, I mean, the topic of it is one thing, but I think there's something that's really interesting is there is that kind of horror undercurrent to it of the fact that nobody mm -hmm. else can hear Hand Banana and Carl's yeah. like having to deal with this demon living next door, rape aside, that nobody else can hear but him. And there's a lot of like horror stings throughout the episode. It's, I don't know. It's like a pretty kind of nihilistic episode in a way that there, nobody's helping Carl and nobody believes him. But also just I was shocked because I hadn't seen it in years and I watched it in preparation and it's just so tight. Like there's not a wasted moment in it. There's always something happening as it as it goes on, which is kind of true of most Aqua Teen episodes since you guys only have 11 minutes. But I was just surprised how every single scene just kind of pushes it forward. I think it's 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 not just the the shocking rape aspect I think that people are responding to. I think it's just genuinely a solid episode of the show. Yeah, it's unnerving too. That's Carl's yeah. just being tormented mm -hmm. and nobody else really <laughs> It's so funny. <laughs> Cuz he deserves it. He's he's earned it. He admits that he like molested a woman in a previous episode, and he's obviously Did he? a yeah. He says that. A, a, oh, we don't a, use that word. Well, no, a, a, a woman was passed out at like a a classic rock show, oh, and he was my like God. popping a feel on her. All right, <laughs> yeah. Oh man, <laughs> changing I mean, times there, Ronnie. But I'm saying it, it like justifies the episode. It's not like he's a good guy that's getting abused. You know no, I mean? he's never been a good Right, right, good right. <laughs> I mean, in this upcoming season, he he does a song about a... They all do a song, but it's a song that Carl was inspired by a real-life event, a menage a trois he had in a construction site port john <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, he's one of the all-time creeps. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, Aqua Teen does do those kinds of horror episodes from time to time, and I always appreciate when you guys do uh, jump into that. There was something I noticed from the episode which I appreciated, which was nobody can understand Hand Banana, right? Like, 
he's talking to Carl and nobody hears anything. But conveniently, while Han Banana's talking to Carl, nobody else is saying anything and they're all just standing there silently <laughs> while, 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 while Han Banana's like telling him he's going to rape him and all this stuff. <laughs> Everyone just stands there. <laughs> I, thought, I thought it was funny. It sounds like a funny episode. I didn't watch that. <laughs> well, I know. I'm... <laughs> Supporter of the show, Carson, would like to know if you guys ever toyed with bringing Han Banana back during the show's original run. Of course, you did for the Aquadonk side pieces, but similar to, say, Wong Burger, who is also a season four character who you would bring back. Did you guys ever maybe think about bringing him back or no, not until Aquadonk? I think we thought about it. I think we just kept moving forward with all these other crazy ideas we had. But then when we did Aquadonk, we went back to hit all the what we think are the highlight mm-hmm. villains. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Aquadonk was kind of a revisit. Sometimes it sort of feels like it might be a little, it just might be a little easy to kind of, uh, you know, go back to the greatest hits and kind of revisit, you know, mm-hmm. I don't even think it, I don't remember it even crossing our mind. I mean, mm-hmm. Moon and Nights went so well, it was like, we got to keep these guys in the rotation, but um, but with Ham Banana, it just felt like a one-off. Right. Of course, right. there. Of course, with Aqua, Aqua Dunk, there is an alternate reality that we presuppose that Ham Banana locked Carl up for years. Yeah, he was always there the a, entire time and made him his captive, <laughs> which, which demanded a two-parter yes. to resolve. Well, <laughs> you guys wrote that as one right it was like one longish one or did you envision that as two separate aquadonks no it was two separates gotcha okay yeah i mean you kind of touched on it i guess this kind of leads to you know in the first three maybe four really three seasons of the show you guys bring villains back a lot but then after that especially after the movie you don't bring villains back very often except for once in a while really i know there's like the space caduce episode with with plutonians and moonanites but i'm just kind of curious why that was like did you was it like a did you decide to stop bringing villains back at a certain point or i think it just depended on whether the idea demanded it i mean you said space caduce and i was like yeah that was uh i mean you know space Cataz was supposed to be just like a spinoff mm-hmm. and then we were like well we like this and so we just sort of made it the open for that season but um yeah i don't know i don't know it's just sort of what the what the idea demands and i feel i feel like this show is in mothballs for so long that when we came back with these new the new five we just had a bunch of fresh new ideas you know and uh we're busting out with them i mean i don't i don't i don't mean to say that every time we revisit a, a, a villain it's because we don't have any ideas right mm-hmm. yeah i mean yeah it's not like when you guys revisit a villain it's the same exact plot as wherever they showed up the first time it's always something different right 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 but yeah these these upcoming five are all complete i mean we don't bring anybody back for this right well we bring no. back frylock Oh well, he's he's in these. Yeah, but there's no there's no <laughs> yeah. shaker meat one. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, in terms of hand banana, do you guys feel like it's a good representation of the show as like one of the most popular episodes? 
with the exception of that Reddit thread. Yeah, that you were telling us about. <laughs> I don't know. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. If somebody said what episode sets the tone for the whole show, I wouldn't pick that one. Um, I'd probably pick a Moon Knight. I mean, there's so many other ones that set the tone, but that is a tone for that episode. It's just it goes down a dark path, which is you know <laughs> awkwardly funny. <laughs> but I wouldn't pull that out as it represents what we do in real life. <laughs> What about you, Dave? Do you think it's a good representation of Aqua Teen? Ronnie's like, okay, man, will you shut up so we can get the real answer? No. No, that's fine. I'm, I'm, I'm done. I mean, to be honest, I'm, I'm not even going to play what you guys are saying. I'm just going to feed all this into AI and type out what I want you to say. So it honestly doesn't matter what you say here. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel the same way. It's not, it's not a, um, it's probably a top tenner, I guess, but it's not, yeah. It's probably not. It's probably not what what you want to start the uninitiated with. <laughs> Let me tell you about this show. It's great, and the lead character. Well, one of the leads. He's more of a side character, but he gets raped by a dog that the other characters made. <laughs> You're gonna love it. You like The Sopranos? You'll love this. This is this is like the same thing, basically. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I was surprised because I saw this episode back in like. 2008 or something for the first because like i was huge into aqua teen in like 2005 2006 and then i fell off for like a year or two but a girl i was dating when i was like 14 her dad was huge into aqua teen and he had like all the dvds and the the volume five just came out and so we were watching it and that's how i saw hand banana and i was i i liked it at the time but years later i saw that it was like the highest rated on imdb so i was very surprised that that was the one that people were really uh jumping on to oh that's interesting so today rate i didn't realize we had episodic ratings on IMDb. yeah and I, yeah every single episode has a rating so hampton wow. is 9.1 out of 10 are we higher than the wire yeah uh, aqua teen is the number one show aqua donk side pieces is number two um <laughs> the wire is like not even in the top thousand i think we we beat mash in terms of seasons <laughs> <laughs> yep that's why we stuck around <laughs> to beat mash we have a long-running feud with alan alda <laughs> the problem with mash is that they uh they never jumped on the youtube digital shorts like you guys did and i think that's where they dropped the ball because it's the tone it's the it's the war it's the atmosphere of war nobody wants to be in that but they want to be raped by a hand banana <laughs> <laughs> it's relatable and it's all that it's short attention span, you know, it's this TikTok generation. They're like, they don't want to see these helicopters going over the Korean hills. They're like, just land it already. Cut the guy <laughs> open and take the bullet out. Stop all the wisecracking, Hawkeye. <laughs> that's true. We've heard that in real life. So that's what that's what we are. We're just a very stripped down, very lean, short version of MASH. Fuck MASH. <laughs> And fuck all the people who made it that are probably long dead. <laughs> they're, they're heirs. I want them to know. <laughs> Mike Farrell, Jamie Farr, Gary Berghoff. Screw you guys. <laughs> Look who's still around. Even and your you terrible Emmy-winning show that <laughs> dominated the ratings for CBS for over 10 years. The night that Ham Banana aired, there was like a bunch of other new episodes airing on Adult Swim that night, including Squidbillies and 12-Ounce Mouse. 
but a bunch of other shows at the time, like Frisky Dingo, uh, Metalocalypse, whatever else was airing then. Did you guys ever maybe feel a sense of competition with the other shows? Like you were trying to one-up them with your episodes? Was that ever like on your mind? Um, yeah, that's what drives us, competition. <laughs> <laughs> competition with other TV shows that we have no idea what they're doing. And your own TV shows. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's right yes well split personality <laughs> they were all so different we just did what we were doing you know mm -hmm. it's like mouse was so different than squid i mean everything was just had its own little area so mm -hmm. we never felt competition um, but if we ever did we would make sure that those creators knew about it <laughs> <laughs> well, the reason I thought that was just because when I cover these episodes, I do go back and read forum posts from the nights that they aired. And a lot of the times I'll see, of course, this is kind of like a selection bias, but I'll see people like in the Aqua Teen thread saying like, oh, like tonight you was the best line of the night, like from all the shows that aired. So I just didn't know oh. if maybe that was something on your guys' mind at that time. No. And if you read that subreddit that I just <laughs> that I wrote to it's been long dormant, but I hopped on it and I added, I added a comment. I added, a, I think it was pretty good. And, <laughs> I don't know what you guys are saying. I liked it. <laughs> Name Dave Willis or whatever. But how do you, there. how do you know that I'm not single handedly responsible for that 91% 9.1? I could be going on there with a lot of, under a lot of false, uh, non de plumes, <laughs> non de guerre. Yeah, you're sitting there telling your kids, get on IMDb right now. <laughs> Rate your dad's show. This is, do you want to eat tonight? <laughs> That's all the hand banana questions I had for you guys. I don't know if there's any kind of closing thoughts that you might have had about it. There aren't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this, this morning, you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> tonight. <laughs> tonight, you. Tonight, you, Ronnie. We're gonna have to hop out off here, priest, in a in a sec. But um, should we should we we shouldn't mention the details. But we did write a we did write a screenplay this uh, summer. Matt and I did that. We're actively working towards making a reality. But we'll talk about that next time. Next time, indeed, thank you so much to Matt and Dave for hopping on, talking ham banana with me, goofing around with me. I do want to say, Dave did not cut in that abruptly saying we have to go. We actually talked for a little while after the ham banana convo. I'll probably uh, repurpose those conversations for other episodes or throw them up on the Patreon or something. But again, thank you so much to those guys. They dropped a lot of information about the upcoming season of Aqua Teen, which as of this episode coming out is coming out later this month. So really appreciate them doing that. And uh, as you heard, maybe some new stuff on the horizon. All I can say is those guys are always up to something. We'll never know what we're going to see. So very excited for that. Thank you, Matt and Dave. And also, what about that new hand banana line drop? This morning, you. What about that? That's crazy. We got, we got a whole new hand banana ethos here that we can start speculating on. 
But all right, Ham Banana debuting on Adult Swim on October 29th, 2006 with a TV 14 DLSV rating for intensely suggestive dialogue, strong coarse language, intense sexual situations, and intense violence. And then this episode, I think, sometimes also airs with a TVMA for Mature. I'm actually genuinely shocked to see that this isn't just a TVMA. I can't believe this is a TV-14. I guess there's nothing overtly explicit, like they don't show anything in the episode, so I don't know. We do see Carl's big hairy ass, though, but pretty surprised here to see it's not just a TVMA. So the voice actors on this one, like I said in the interview with Matt and Dave, it's just Dana Snyder as Master Shake, Carrie Means as Frylock, and then Dave Willis doing some heavy lifting on this one as Meatwad, Carl, Hand Banana, and Enforcer, a.k.a. Spaghetti. So a lot of Dave talking to Dave in this episode. On the ones and twos, on the edit on this one, we have Ned Hastings as our sole editor, and again, the editor on an episode of Aqua Teen is kind of sort of like a director setting the pacing and, and blocking the scenes and, and all that good stuff. So we really have Ned to thank for the pacing on this episode. And as we were saying in the interview, Ned Hastings, a, a huge dog lover. He has lots of dogs, and I'm sure he had a thrill working on this, this dog, somewhat dog-centric episode. So jumping into Ham Banana here, we open in on Frylock. He's in his room on his computer. Meatwad's going to roll up. He wants a dog. He wants a pet of his very own. We then see that Shake is in the room. He's laying on Frylock's bed looking at his butt frenzy magazine. That magazine we first infamously saw in season two, episode nine's The Meat Zone, and then it pops up here and there afterwards. It seems to be Shake's not only his magazine of choice, but his issue of choice, because it's always the same asset in the episodes, right? It's never like it's a different issue or edition of the magazine. It's always the same one. So you would think Shake's seen it all at this point, but he still enjoys it. But he gets mad because, well, Meatwad's going to get a dog, Shake wants some money, and Frylock will explain, well, get a job then. But conveniently, Frylock, he already has the software, Make Your Own Dog 1.0. They're going to get Meatwad this dog. You know what? I want a dog. Well, let's go make one. Frylock, I want some money. Well, then get a job. He gets, he gets what he wants. Just make it for him. With Make Your Own Dog 1.0... All you need is this software, some imagination, and a 5,500-gallon radioactive nuclear cooling facility. <laughs> Where are we going to get one of them? So I love that Shake just wants some money. Of course, this harkens back to Season 2, Episode 23's The Cloning, where they're just cloning money. Like, ostensibly, they could kind of do that again, although I guess they learned their lesson in that episode, right? I, I guess it would make sense they wouldn't do that here. I like that Shake is just hanging out on Frylock's bed. Frylock doesn't seem to mind it. And speaking of Frylock's room here, we have a new background. I mean, of course, it's Frylock's room, but this is the updated asset done for Colin movie film. So this is not Frylock's room that we typically saw in seasons previous. Something I notice is that we have kind of some light coming in from the window. Bob's playing with shadows and, and lighting a little bit here. Uh, more than he did in the original art. And also, the Dr. Weird photo with Frylock is missing here. 
And understandably, this could lead to some conspiracy. Like, why is that picture of Frylock and Dr. Weird gone? What's the significance? But I think I actually just figured out what's going on here. So I jumped ahead to a later episode to see the same background. And again, the photo is gone. And this background comes from Colin Movie Film. So I'm like, all right, let's go to the source. I jump over to Colin Movie Film. And earlier in the film, we see Frylock's, his room, and the photo's not there. But around like the 36 minute mark, we have Frylock there looking at the photo. He's holding it in his hand, something he never did throughout the run of the show up until that point. And if you think about it, that explains why the photo is not in the background, because they couldn't have it as a background asset. It had to be like its own thing so that Frylock could interact with it, pick it up, look at it, that kind of thing. And because of that, the background that Bob made for the film didn't have the photo in it. Because again, the photo was like a prop on a different layer that Frylock would interact with. And nobody ever baked the photo back into the background. So that's why, starting now, we don't see the Dr. Weird photo anymore in Frylock's room. I don't anticipate this was intentional. My guess is it was just an oversight that... You know, it's kind of, I don't want to say it's a big oversight, it's really not, but in the context of the show and who is Dr. Weird to these characters and all sorts of things, you might wonder why that photo is missing, but I think it's just a simple production mistake that they never really bothered to go back and fix. And that's something I'll be interested to see in the upcoming season of the show. I'd imagine they're redoing all the backgrounds for this new season to see if that photo is back or not. And since we're talking about the art, I do want to address the Make Your Own Dog 1.0. This this asset that Bob Pettit did is so funny. I love we have a girl holding a dog on the front. There's a little boy behind her, and he's kind of, like, shouting. He's seemingly excited about this dog that they made. Behind them, though, we have some nuclear uh, cooling towers. There's, like, a nuclear power plant behind them that will tie in. And on the box, we do see... Now with parvovirus protection, parvovirus being a virus that's commonly spread uh, through dogs, and there's some protection built into this software, I guess kind of like a play on the actual parvovirus for dogs, but also this is software, right? So there's some sort of virus protection, which I enjoy. I always love an Aqua Teen episode where Frylock's just working away on the computer and Meatwad comes up with, with something that he wants. I like when Matt and Dave start the episode that way. And Frylock, most of the time, is happy to indulge Meatwad. But you know who's not happy here? Master Shake. So Frylock alludes to needing a 5,500-gallon radioactive cooling facility. And from there, we're going to cut to the front of Carl's house where Shake is telling. I'm sure you could see where this is headed. Have you seen what they're doing back there? What are you talking about? Back where? <laughs> I'm telling. Telling on who? Who what? Me, White, and Frylock. They told me not to tell anyone, but I'm telling you. <laughs> Why? What are they doing? So, Shake here being a little snitch, he's, just, he's, he's so upset he can't even really vocalize what's going on. He's just sitting there like, I I'm telling. He's here snitching on the boys. So, we're going to cut to the backyard here. We have Frylock and Meatwad working here, uh, getting this dog together. So basically, they're up against Carl's pool, and behind the pool, we have the Rent-A-Hoist. I know we saw it back in Season 1, Episode 16's PDA, but we've seen this Rent-A-Hoist a few times throughout the show's run. Even Dr. Weird had it in one of the cold ovens. 
but they have this, you know, hoisting something into the pool. The pool is disgusting, the same way that we saw it in Season 3, Episode 13, Space Gate World, a.k.a. Carl, when Carl's in the dirty old pool. It's, it's dirty like it was before. However, I should say, so the background of the houses here is actually the same background that we've had throughout Aqua Teen uh, in previous seasons, but the pool here is a new dirty pool asset where there's like a tarp kind of on it that's halfway on, uh, a bunch of dead leaves. Uh, so it's a lot more grimy than it was in Spacegate World. We have Meatwad typing away on his computer, the same computer we saw in Season 1, Episode 12, Circus, the computer, the toy computer, rather, that Frylock got for Meatwad, but they're making good use of it here. Meatwad's kind of hitting on it, and it says that they need to add DNA to continue on with this process of making the dog. Shake and Carl are going to come up, they're going to have some words, but, you know, Shake, he's going he's gonna to put his hand in the pool, and that's going to satisfy the program's need for some DNA. <laughs> they are working on... Oh, let's see. I'm on Bristol. Oh, you're supposed to add DNA. What's a DNA? It stands for do not enter my pool. Ass man. See what they're doing? I don't know what he even knows. Carl, do me a favor and spit in that pool. Oh, you mean my pool. Oh, uh, is this your pool? Yeah, it is. Can I ask Rula? No, you may not. How about if I swim in it? No. Well, do you mind if we make a dog in it? Yeah, I do mind very much if that's cool. Yeah, he does mind. You haven't been using it. That's not the point, is He's it? He's going to very soon. Just because I haven't been using it doesn't mean, like, here, turn it into a dog laboratory. <laughs> Come on, Carl. We'll be done with this dog in a minute. See? Look. I... Wait a minute. That's weird. I don't think we ever put any DNA in there. Hey, surf's up. No shake. What? I can't splash? First of all, I have to say, I'm getting flashbacks here when Meatwad asks if he can go swimming, because that brings me back to the first episode of the show, Rabot, where Meatwad is asking desperately to go swimming. And that's kind of like a theme in the early few episodes where Meatwad's always asking to swim and Shake is always telling him no. So I got vibes of that. And of course, just happy to see the pool here. If you listen through the early episodes of the podcast of how critical the pool was to the early season of the show where they would typically end in the pool and the pool was like a central part of the aqua teens life in those episodes so it's fun to see that here especially in such a, a critically acclaimed episode i guess of the show a visual in that scene is we had shake and carl walking up and they don't actually have Carl doing a walk animation because he's behind the pool. So they literally just kind of Brack Show style uh, move his character just up and down, bob him up and down. But you can actually see as he enters the scene, his foot is stationary. You, you see it kind of pop out uh, from behind the pool. And, you know, you just see he's not doing a walk cycle. So even though we are in 2006 territory, the show has advanced a lot in its visuals. It's still charming to see these more basic styles of animation that we would see more typically in the earlier seasons and again in other early Adult Swim shows like Brack Show or Space Ghost Coast to Coast. But to the scene now, uh, in our next clip, they're going to hoist up the box that they had just stewing around in Carl's disgusting pool, and there's going to be something of a dog there. And since Shake put his hand in the water... The dog kind of looks like Shake's hand, and that's why, you know, its name is Hand Banana. That's what Meatwad will name it, of course, after Shake 
uh, give some other suggestions. Well, look at that. Now that's a dog. Look at him. He's so cute. <laughs> so, what's you gonna name him? Call him something cute like Mr. Something. Like Mr. Balls. <laughs> or how about a... Ooh, Thunder Pussy. Shut up, I got a name. And it's... Hand Banana. Come here, Hamburger. <laughs> All those good ones, and that's the one you take. So, Hand Banana here, being cute. Again, he looks like Shake's hand. So, kind of like a dog, kind of like Shake's hand. I find it interesting that the DNA they got was, yeah, Shake put his hand in, but like, that doesn't make sense that the dog would look like the hand, right? It, it would look like Shake, you would think, and, and we'll get to that later as, as Carl creates a dog of his own. But uh, as we heard in the interview, Matt said he was throwing around the word banana hammock, and that's kind of how they, they rearranged it to hand banana, and that's why I guess they decided that it should look like Shake's hand. Hand banana a cutie pie, uh, Carl even thinks so, but something interesting is going to happen with old hand banana here. He's going to point at Carl, and he's going to have some words for him. Tonight, you... <laughs> what do you think he means? Tonight, you. <laughs> like he's threatening me or something. Who the hell are you talking to, Tubbs? The friggin' uh, hand banana over there. He said, uh, tonight, you. <laughs> Come on, Carl. He's the dog. See? Yeah. I'm just a dog. <laughs> Look at him. Keep it up, Carl. They may just haul you off. <laughs> you hear him? He's pretty funny. <laughs> Come on, hand banana, let's play. Get out here, get away from the poopy man. Remember, tonight. Jesus Christ. So, yeah, we have this, this dark undercurrent starting to present itself already in this episode that we will see throughout of not just what will be happening through the episode, which, I mean, you know what makes this episode sh so shocking, but also the fact that nobody else knows that Ham Banana is saying this except for Carl. You know, at first, Carl, he just kind of laughs it off, but as we see as the episode progresses, uh, I guess he won't be laughing no more. But I do want to say, because something that Ham Banana does, one of his animation cycles, is he licks his crotch like dogs will do. And when I, I showed my wife this episode... Uh, in preparation for doing this, I, I wanted to see her reaction to it. And all I told her ahead of time was that this was one of the most popular episodes, but it was a naughty episode. Th those were my exact words. And we see Ham Banana licking his crotch a few times before he rapes Carl. And she thought that that's, that was the naughty part, right? She's just like, oh, you know, he keeps doing it. And we will see that in our next clip here. Uh, so to her, that was the naughty part until... Well, the actual naughty part happens. But continuing on here, we're going to have Meatwad playing with Hand Banana, which really consists of Frylock. He's holding Meatwad, kind of uh, moving him out of Hand Banana's reach. Hand Banana's trying to jump up and get Meatwad, kind of like he's just a toy ball. Frylock will throw Meatwad, but Hand Banana, instead of chasing Meatwad, he's just going to lick his crotch instead. Come on, boy! Come on! Here, boy! Here, boy! Here, boy. Come on! Okay! Okay! Here, girl! Fast, boy! 
Alright, that was fun. <laughs> Let's do it again. So Meatwad rolls back. He's having a good time, at least. Meatwad has a, a dead leaf stuck on him. I guess we could assume this episode takes place at some point in the fall. This episode debuting in very late October. So maybe they tried to set it around that time. I, I kind of doubt it, but it's a possibility. But something that, to this episode's credit is that Meatwad's kind of having a good time here. He really likes his cute new dog. He's having a blast playing with him. So for me, as a Meatwad head, I really do appreciate that, that Meatwad at least is having fun uh, in spite of what happens to Carl throughout this episode. And you know who else is going to be having a good time because he really hasn't been up until this point, but that'll change. We have Master Shake here. Our next clip is kind of a fun little joke. Uh, the joke being that it's they're going to make it seem like Ham Banana took a shit on Shake's green chair, but then he's going to pull out the baked goods, which are actually some muffins. Oh, great. Looks like our canine friend left a little present here on my chair. Yep. Someone delivered some baked goods. How did he know I love baked goods? <laughs> Look at these. They look delicious. Well, I don't know. Maybe he's a pastry chef. So Meatwad goes to reach for one of the muffins and shake backs up. Something I'm just realizing right now is actually the green chair asset is different. It's different than the one that we've always seen, uh, technically up until Dickisode. And the change in the chair is that we now have some duct tape on the armrests, which were not there in previous seasons, but we do see here in the 2006 episode. So, a change to the green chair. I didn't notice it in Dickisode, but I'm noticing it now since we, we're kind of zoomed in on that chair for the big reveal of the baked goods. And we're going to get to the bottom of this baked goods scenario because they'll reveal that on the back of the box. We're going to cut to Frylock's room again, and Frylock will be reading the, the software box. And I also want to mention now, uh, we can see on the box, it says uh, ages five and up, which <laughs> I love. Five-year-olds can be making their own, their own dogs here with their nuclear uh, reactor or whatever. But Shake will be eating a baguette and just, ham banana's great. Everything is amazing. Well, will you look at that? He is a pastry chef. Mm. These baguettes are so fresh. I mean, they must have just come out of the oven. Mm. Excuse me. You know, that dog has really brought this family <laughs> together. He's really a good dog. So he's really a good dog. We have uh, Shake actually moves forward for kind of a hug. Meatwad hugs Shake. The family is just so happy right now. This dog is really what they needed. But... As, as Shake is saying that, we cut outside, we see Ham Banana running across the yard over to Carl's house now. I guess nobody's really paying attention to him, and Ham Banana, he's going to burst into Carl's house. Carl's going to try and deal with it. You know, the neighbor's dog came inside. What could possibly happen? Uh, but unfortunately, before Carl can deal with it, he has to bend over and pick something up. And Ham Banana here, well, he said tonight you, and he meant it. What the hell? No, 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 no. Bad boy, bad boy. You live over there. Go go back to the freaks. You can't, boy. My name is Hand Banana. Why, you, you, you talking to me here? No, not anymore. We're done talking. Hang on. Let me bend over and pick this thing up again. <laughs> Hand Banana, no! So we see Hand Banana through the window, humping Carl, going to town. And I love the absurdity of this episode because Carl... You know, you think he would deal with the neighbor's dog that literally opened his door and came in and then shut it. 
Carl, before he deals with that, he literally just bends over and picks something up. And we'll see that throughout the episode that we don't ever... Like, yeah, Hand Banana is forcing himself on Carl, but Carl kind of... um, I hate the victim blame, but Carl makes it pretty easy when he conveniently just bends over like that. And that is in part because it's funny, like it's absurd that way. But also, you know, Aqua Teen is a cheap show and that's the easiest way to get this thing to happen is to have Carl just kind of let it happen in this way or facilitate it the way that he does. So we're going to cut back to the Aqua Teen's house now. And Frylock, he's got the the box in his hand, the software box, the Make Your Own Dog 1.0, and he's still reading it. I guess there's a lot of text on this box. We never actually see the back of the box, but Frylock is still reading, and he's finding some potentially troubling information on the back. Your new dog is one of a kind. He will roam the earth looking for a match long after you're dead. (laughs) And watch out, your new dog may try to mind link with certain members of your family. Good luck with that. You never mind Link with me. He's a good boy. Well, I tell you what. As long as I get these muffins, I don't give a crap what he does. He's a winner in my book. In fact, I'm going to make a couple dogs tonight. Start a restaurant with him. Call it Dogs. I'm going to work on that name, too, because that does not seem good to me. Shake having a very lame name here. The idea for the restaurant is Dogs. I mean, he was throwing out some pure fire like Thunder Pussy earlier, and now his restaurant name is just Dogs. But to Shake's credit, I think this is actually a good idea, at least from his perspective, that, okay, this one dog is making us these baked goods. Why not make a bunch of dogs and just have my own bakery? I mean, I think that's kind of a good idea here. And this is probably a rare thing for me to say about Shake on this podcast, but he's got one in this episode, that's for sure. Well, besides the whole mind-linking aspect, I like that... This is kind of a thing with the writing where we, the viewers, know that mind linking is clearly bad. We just saw Carl get raped. We know that Ham Banana is not this great pet. And Meatwad says, oh, well, he never mind link with me. He's a good boy. So, like, there's no reason for Meatwad to know that mind linking is bad. (laughs) But uh, obviously we, the viewers, do. And just the way that it's written is that Meatwad, uh, he references it as being bad here, even though he shouldn't have really known that. But speak of the devil, literally, Ham Banana's gonna come home, he knows how to open doors, he's a pretty smart dog, he opens the door, he comes in, and Carl, Carl's not far behind. Well, he's not a boy anymore, he's a man, cause he just raped me! You think you could back that up? Listen to this guy, could back that up, I got bruises to prove it! No, no, I mean that ass. Back it up. Yeah. Do you hear what he's saying here? Sounds like someone wants to get raped again. Come on, Carl. He hasn't even been here one day. How could he possibly learn the English language? See, all I know is ball and good and rape. Yeah, you know it well. I bend over for the remote and boom, you're there. So again, it's like, why did Carl have to pick up the remote in that moment? Uh, You heard me mention this to Matt and Dave, but I appreciate in this episode, it's funny to me, that nobody else hears Hand Banana, but during this scene specifically, you have Carl and Hand Banana having some back and forth, and while Hand Banana is speaking, nobody else is, which makes sense that Carl wouldn't be speaking because he's talking to Hand Banana like they're having a conversation. But why are the three Aqua Teens just standing there watching this? Like, it doesn't make any sense. It's just so silly. It just, you know, is here to serve the plot. And as always, the point of Aqua Teen is to just tell jokes, and that's why it's great, and 
If you've listened to more than one episode of this podcast, I am not judging this show based on these inconsistencies. These inconsistencies are why I love this show. And speaking of which, it's funny because we have the characters standing around in the living room and the green chair conveniently gone. If you listen to, like, the Ned Hastings interview who edited this episode, he he mentions that. Like, yeah, you know, just get rid of the chair when you don't need it in a scene. That's exactly what they did here. Some real kind of uh, depressing moments here, though, with Ham Banana saying these horrible things to Carl, and nobody is backing Carl up, nobody is defending Carl, nobody even knows that this is happening, and uh, just such a such a nightmare s- scenario uh, in any instance. Uh, this, I, I think, probably being like a core human fear of like having these things happen to you that other people can't verify or or even acknowledge exist. I mean, this is just such a topic ripe for horror. But at the same time, in true Aqua Teen fashion, and pull- pulled off in a way that Matt and Dave are masters of, is that, yeah, we have a a real dark topic at hand here with nobody knowing that this is happening to Carl, with Carl getting raped. But, you know, it's Aqua Teen. It's still funny. It doesn't feel overtly heavy or anything like that, which I'm sure is very difficult to pull off. But kind of back to that topic at hand, though, uh, we're still in this scene, and Carl is yelling at Han Banana, understandably, but from the Aqua Teen's perspective, Han Banana isn't saying anything. And I have to wonder, is Han Banana just silent here? Because they are mind-linking, so I guess he he could be, but or is Han Banana barking? I'm not really sure. I, I, I assume he's just silent. Um, which again goes back to, I guess, all the characters are just sitting around in silence while Han Banana's talking. But regardless... Ham Banana is going to go over to Meatwad and kind of cower, like he's he's acting like he's scared of Carl, but then we'll hear Ham Banana. Of course, he's not really scared. He's just using this mind link against Carl to make him look like a crazy psychopath. Watch this. I'm sorry, Carl, but I think that you need to leave. You upsetting Ham Banana. Yeah, well, you know, he upset me pretty bad, too. I don't know if I could sleep anymore. You ever been raped by a dog? Uh-uh. See, I think that's what hell is like, you know, constantly raped by dogs. Carl. That, you know, I don't know if I believe in God, but I think he must hate me. Carl. Because he allowed you to create a dog that constantly raped Okay, me. Carl, that's it. Just go home, all right? Yeah, just go on home. You need to just go home and lie down for a while. Mm, face down. If I see that dog again, he's dead. Yeah, bye-bye. He's dead! Okay, see ya. So this episode is, I think, kind of interesting dealing with this topic of, of like, being gaslit or... I don't even know if it's gaslit, but just, like, again, to to being haunted by something that nobody else can, can hear. But that Han Banana... Like, we get his commentary on things while it's happening. So you get Han Banana cower... He says, watch this. He cowers over by Meatwad, but then he laughs while he's doing it. So I think it's interesting that I feel like if, if the show were more realistic then Han Banana wouldn't be saying anything in front of the other characters. But since this is a cartoon and they can do whatever they want, they can have Han Banana giving us his thought process and his his play-by-play in real time while he's, uh, you know, doing these things to make Carl look bad, which I found a little interesting because, again, like if this was a real life and one person messing with another person, they couldn't just be laughing in front of the, the bystanders in the way that Han Banana just did there. We see the Aqua Teens here just taking Ham Banana's side. They are doubting Carl, but I do find it interesting that Frylock, he was reading the back of the box and it was talking about mind linking and they were just discussing it and Frylock did not put two and two together. 
And I think that's kind of a trend so far this season of them really playing Frylock as being dumber than he typically is, because I feel like there's certainly other episodes of Aqua Teen where Frylock would have instantly caught on to what was happening and been like, oh, well, clearly Ham Banana must be mind-linking with Carl because we can't hear him, but I just read on the box moments ago that something like this could possibly happen. So, you know, this is just Matt and Dave using Frylock to be a bit more dumb than he typically is, but, I mean, you know, if Frylock knew it was happening right away, then this episode just wouldn't work. From here, we're going to get actually one of my favorite scenes of this episode. And so Carl got kicked out of the Aqua Teen's house, and we're going to see him in his house. His phone rings. He picks it up. From what we can see initially, it sounds like he's just talking to Frylock on the phone, but we cut to the Aqua Teen's house. We get a pan down to see it's actually Ham Banana on the phone. And then visually, during this conversation, Ham Banana will, he'll stop talking to Carl to lick his crotch again, and then resume. So, we'll, it sounds like Carl's talking to Frylock, but it's really Ham Banana, and with his mind-linking ability, he is sounding like Frylock here. Hello? Hey, Carl, it's Frylock. Look, I sent Ham Banana to the pound, okay? I figured, hell, if he's raping you, then he is a bad dog. <laughs> He's a freaking menace. And, uh, you know, technically, he's supposed to be spayed, and he ain't that. <laughs> I know that firsthand. Go ahead, ask me how I know. Go ahead, ask me. Ask me how I know. Oh, Carl, ho- hold on one second, okay? <laughs> okay, I'm back. Look, you don't need to worry about hand banana anymore. So, uh, what are you wearing? <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? Nothing. <clears throat> Nothing. Just an idle question. Okay, here comes Frylock. Hello? Frylock comes in. He, he sees the phone on the ground. Ham Banana is just chasing his tail, acting all innocent. Frylock, you know, kind of wonders what was going on. But let me explain to you why this is one of my favorite scenes of this episode. And that is because... We don't get to see this very often. We had Carrie Means getting to do kind of a a different role than the traditional Frylock because we had Carrie Means as Hand Banana here. So I guess he could also be credited as Hand Banana as well. So, you know, it wasn't just the, the normal straight man Frylock there. So I thought it was fun to see Carrie get to do something a little different than he normally does on the show. And Carrie's range, like for as brilliant as he is on Aqua Teen, a lot of the times his range is is really just put in a box because Frylock has to be this straight man character for the show to work. But Carrie can do all, all kinds of stuff. I mean, he was Thunderclees on Brack Show, which was this big, over-the-top kind of character. Oh, he's shouting and yelling, and he's like this stereotypical kind of uh, robot hero thing. So Carrie did that, and, and Carrie has all sorts of... of acting uh, backgrounds and training and stuff like that he's played all sorts of characters throughout his career but his most famous one is Frylock which is a pretty subdued character Uh, of course we do get some episodes eventually where he does come out of his shell a bit more and we do see it from time to time but I really did appreciate that here of getting to to hear Carrie play a little bit uh, looser of a character than just the normal Frylock but speaking of vocal performances I really am loving Carl in this episode. Dave is doing a lot of work to deliver these lines in a very humorous and impactful way 
that keeps the episode light. It keeps the episode funny and fun because this episode very easily could have been a pretty morose, just depressing episode about Carl getting raped by this dog. But the way that Dave pulls it off is pretty masterful. And again, just still conveys this is a comedy. It is not supposed to be like a drama piece or something like that. I do want to mention to the visuals because we see Ham Banana on the phone and he's talking to Carl. His mouth is moving while he's on the phone. And that again goes to like, is Ham Banana actually making noise in like physical space or is it just all in Carl's head? But we see Ham Banana's mouth moving and it doesn't make sense. It's like if he's mind linking to Carl, why would his mouth be moving at all? Especially if we're seeing him on the phone because we are just the viewer seeing him here. So you can't argue that it's from Carl's perspective. I don't know. Lots of questions here. Obviously, I'm digging too deep into this, but it's just fun to, to, to pick out these little inconsistencies that raise a lot of questions. But hey, I guess that's what we're here for, right? We're here to talk about Aqua Teen and that's what we're doing. I guess you could kind of expand that question to if they're mind-linking. Why does Ham Banana even need to use the phone, right? Couldn't he just telepathically? I don't, I don't know. Okay, whatever. Moving from there, because Carl thinks that Ham Banana is at the pound now, he doesn't have to worry about him anymore. We're going to go to Carl's backyard again with his disgusting pool back there. And Carl's in the backyard. He's on his lawn chair. He's just chilling out. And this actually being the lawn chair we saw in the previous episode, Dickisode. This is that same lawn chair. Carl was laying on the lawn chair in Dickisode after his surgery, and he's laying there again, and this time, you know, he's feeling a little comfortable, he's just taking it easy. He's gonna drop them pants and try and get some sun where the sun don't shine. Unfortunately, as we know, Ham Banana, he's not actually at the pound. Oh, man, that is a load off my mind, knowing that rapist is gone. Man, feel good out here. Might just, uh, get nude. <laughs> shine some sun where the sun don't shine, you know what I mean? <laughs> Long past the point of carrying all this. You, uh, basing that turkey today? Huh? What's that? I think it's time to take a temperature. See if the meat's just right. <laughs> Okay, so I had to, uh, just because of the way that Ned cut the audio here, I had to keep on the next scene. I love this drawing of Carl. I can't express my love in enough seeing his big fucking hairy ass. He's just splayed out there. He's long past the point of caring. I'm sure we've all been there at one point or another. There is a visual element I want to mention, and that is the lawn chair. They zoom in real close on this thing, and it is so pixelated that I am surprised because, you know, at this point in Aqua Teen, we're not really getting shots like this anymore. Of course, that was more commonplace in the earlier episodes, but yeah, I, that, that kind of struck me after, again, just the advancements we've seen throughout the show up until this point over the previous six years of seeing such a pixelated close-up of this chair. It really gives me vibes of those early episodes, so a lot of fun seeing that there. And again, this is this is something relating to Aqua Teen I bring up from time to time, and, and this being such a highly rated episode of the show, and a lot of people's favorite episode, we have these mistakes like this, these errors that, you know, some people might obsess over if they were the ones making the show, but... Even though we have these issues, 
people still love this episode and it goes to show you that things don't have to be perfect uh, to tell a good story or to make things that other people will enjoy and that will resonate with other people. And let me tell you, speaking of errors now, we're about to get another one of those because we're going to cut now to the Aqua Teen's house and we have Meatwad and Shake. They're playing this, this fake game, which you know how much I love whenever we see these fictitious video games in Aqua Teen. And this time it's a knitting game because we have Shake and Meatwad versing each other in this very boring looking knitting game. We have Meatwad yelling out, Pearl 2, Pearl 2, which is a knitting te technique. I guess it's a one-stitch decrease for those of you who know what the fuck that means, because I certainly don't. In my mind, any sort of, of clothing, any sort of fabric is just pure alchemy, like it's just spawned of magic. But the point is, to the error here, at the beginning of this scene, Meatwad, his mouth will not be moving while he's, he's speaking. Carl's gonna come into the room, and he's gonna have a shotgun pointed at Meatwad. He's here, he means business, he is done with Hand Banana. Oh, yeah, pearl baby! Two. Pearl, pearl two. it! Pearl! You caught my pearl, I bitch. totally did pearl, too. Where's Hand Banana? I don't know, Carl. I'm busy right now, just sort of set my drink right behind me here. I got a little present for your dog next time he shows up and tries to make unwanted sexual advances towards me. He's gonna get stuck. Because I filled every orifice of my body with wacky glue. That's a stupid thing to do, Carl. <laughs> and there's Frylock at least being somewhat sensible in this episode. We have uh, Meatwad here and Shake. They have cupcakes, very delicious looking cupcakes. And I like the way that Meatwad, like Shake is holding his controller. And Meatwad, he doesn't have his arm extended to use the controller. The controller is just stuck in his head. And he's just, like, moving it around somehow. Not really sure how, but it's a, it's a very fun sight. Very silly sight. Meatwad's so disconnected from reality that Carl has a shotgun pointed at him. And he's like, yeah, just put my drink behind me. <laughs> he, does, he doesn't even know what's happening. But I like Carl. He, he puts the shotgun away. He just kind of, I guess, puts it in his back pocket. He just puts it behind himself. I'm not really sure where it goes in that typical Aqua Teen fashion. So as you heard in the previous clip, Carl, he filled all of his orifices with glue. And because of that, he starts to choke, as you would assume. So then we have Ham Banana in the kitchen who hears this. He, he's in the middle of, of baking something, but he drops it, runs over, and he starts to perform the Heimlich on Carl, which of course looks like he's humping him. But that's not the case here. But then, after saving Carl's life, he reverts back to typical ham banana behavior. What? I said I filled every orifice <laughs> of my body with wacky glue. Hey, you want something to drink? I feel like my throat's kind of dry. <clears throat> I put a bunch of wacky glue in there? And now it's kind of close enough. Call 911. <laughs> no, no, look, it's about to rape me. No, Carl, see, look. It's going to rape me. <laughs> He's an expert on CPR. He saved your life. You're right, big guy. Yeah, I think so. Good. Because tonight, you... Go home and get some rest, Carl. Yeah, don't wait up. I'll be there soon enough. Oh, I'll be waiting. You just bring it on, big man. I like the way that Carl can just instantly hear again after coughing up. He basically spits out like a chunk of just some white stuff, which is supposed to be... The glue that I guess dried up in his throat. But again, he can hear. I guess his uh, nose is uh, functioning again. Uh, things of that nature. Looks like Ham Banana was in the middle of making some delicious croissants. 
And I'm surprised that at this point, Carl wouldn't just pull that shotgun back out and uh, take care of Ham Banana right then and there. But perhaps he just has some respect for the Aqua Teens that he wouldn't do that right in their house. Although a part of me finds that hard to believe. Like I said in the interview with Matt and Dave, I really thought that Wacky Glue was a brand, but evidently it's not. Uh, There is Crazy Glue, there is Gorilla Glue, but actual Wacky Glue isn't. I did see a Saturday Night Live sketch uh, that that is is called Wacky Glue, which is very funny. I would suggest you check it out. Uh, I did send it to Dave afterwards, and, and he enjoyed it, so I think it might be worth your time. Link to that in the description. I was looking up, like, what would happen if you ate glue and stuff, but obviously it's like, well, just call poison control. Like, I wasn't really finding any scandalous answers here for you. Apparently, though, uh, the glue can get hot as it starts to polymerize uh, when it it touches the, the saliva, like liquid, really. So I guess it might also burn. I'm not entirely sure, but you could probably use your imagination to imagine what might happen if you actually did what Carl did. And let me tell you, it's not good. Worth mentioning, though, that this concept was revisited 16 years later on Aquadonk Side Pieces, because in the Aquadonk Side Piece, Hand Banana's Demise, that's essentially what Carl does again, but that time, he actually makes it work, and, and he catches Hand Banana with this technique. But... Continuing on with the original Hand Banana episode, Carl, he's not going to rely on that dastardly shotgun, no. He's going to create his own defender, his own enforcer, a dog made from his own DNA. So, basically in this scene, we have Carl in his backyard cooking, he's crafting this new dog. Hand Banana's like on Carl's back, I guess he's in the process of raping him or something, but they're like talking during this. And we will see the Enforcer. First of all, don't call him the Enforcer. He wants to go buy spaghetti. And this visual is just incredible because it's it's kind of like Carl. It's got uh, even flip-flops like Carl does. It's got tan lines like Carl, just in dog form. Let's go meet spaghetti. You don't know what rape is like. For years, I thought it was funny. Oh, yeah, rape so funny. Until you've been raped. You're about to find out what that's like. Ham banana. Hey, let's think about this. Well, we're done thinking. Because, see, every time I think, you're there, haunting my dreams. Come on now. I can be good. No, see, I don't think that you can. But I'll show you how to be good. Ham banana, I want you to meet the enforcer. I want my name to be Spaghetti. All right, Spaghetti. Whatever, I don't care. Just, you know, just do what I tell you. The hell you looking at? I'm your father. I just made you. <laughs> I got your father right here. <laughs> I got your daddy. <laughs> All right, enough talking with the dogs here. Spaghetti, I want you to show Hand Banana the night of his life. All right, enough talking with the dogs here. Such great back and forth. It's so delightful to see Carl essentially talking to himself. I hope that wasn't too confusing without the visual of seeing who's talking to who because they're pretty goddamn similar in their demeanor and their voice, of course. And that, that does lead to the question of, well, how come the Enforcer, he, you know, was made from Carl's DNA, so he looks like Carl and he sounds like Carl, while Hand Banana was made from Shake's DNA, but it looks just like Shake's hand, specifically, and also it doesn't sound anything like Shake or Dana Snyder, you know what I mean? I guess Shake's hand just has its own set of DNA, I think that's the conclusion we have to come to here. But absolutely, I love me some Enforcer, love me some Spaghetti. 
I love <laughs> just again these two Carls talking to each other is so silly. The visual of the of spaghetti is just fantastic. Unfortunately, though, Spaghetti here, he's not actually going to fulfill his duty. He's going to rip Hand Banana off of Carl. He's going to realize he's not that interested in Hand Banana. He's not really going to fulfill his duty. But Carl now, Spaghetti is pretty interested in Carl. So as as you could uh, predict in this, in this turn of events, Spaghetti, he's going to go and rape Carl. And Hand Banana is going to join in. There you go. There you go. Rape, rape him like he raped me. Do it. Do it! What are you waiting on? I'm not really that attracted to him. <laughs> the hell do you mean you're not attracted to him? Go ahead and rape him. I don't know. I'm done with that. Something about you, though. It just seemed like we we click or something. Feels comfortable. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I, yeah, well, I, I don't know about that. I mean, I, I did create you from some of them weird hairs, you know, that grow out of the bottom of my feet. Wow, I got those, too. You're like the only other person that I heard of that got those. <laughs> hey, we got a lot in common here. I'm gonna rape you. No, please, Spaghetti, no, no, please, Spaghetti. We had Carl and Spaghetti there bonding over their weird foot hairs. I love Spaghetti, who was just created moments ago. It's like, you're the only person I've met that has those. It's like, well, yeah, it's also the only person he's met. But yes, I think a great uh, twist, a great turn that Spaghetti... He lusts after Carl the same way that Hand Banana does. I'm actually kind of bummed that we didn't get a full episode with just Carl and Spaghetti. Of course, minus the rape aspect, I could do without that. Just seeing these two characters bounce off each other is so freaking enjoyable. And of course, Spaghetti comes back as well in the, the Hand Banana's demise Aquadonk side piece in 2022. Worth mentioning with Spaghetti is that he also has the same gold chain as Carl. It's just, you know, so funny the way that they they take Carl and make him into these different forms. For example, in the previous episode, Dickisode, we had Carlita, Carl in woman form, and they totally transformed, like, you know, his sweatpants into, like, pants that a woman might wear, for you know, things like that. And they do the same thing here, turning Carl into a dog. So I like seeing the artists just play around with the Carl design, but for different kinds of characters, I guess. So that is essentially the end of the episode, although we have one more clip here as poor Carl is getting double teamed by both of these demon dogs. We cut over to the Aqua Teen's house, and we get a shot we have not seen in a long time. I don't even know if we got this shot in Season 3, and this shot being the side shot of their house where the characters are looking out of Frylock's window. So it's like a front shot of Frylock's window. We have Frylock and Shake here commenting on what's happening. Of course, they're not actually trying to help the guy as they see what he was claiming was happening is actually happening. Uh, they don't do anything like that. Frylock kind of looks at the box, and then he goes away, and then Shake starts jacking off. Wow. You don't see that every day. This software is illegal in over 80 countries. You should never try to make your own dog. Okay, lock the doors. Come on, Shake. Nobody wants to see that. Go in your room. I don't have a room. <laughs> so there's Shake. I don't have a room. Of course, we've seen that time and time again throughout the show. I'm thinking particularly of PDA in season one, where we see Shake literally sleeping on the floor, uh, kind of like by the hallway. But I do want to mention to that window shot that we had, it was the same exact window shot that we would see, for example, 
in season two, episode 12's Total Recarl, when they're like looking out the window at him, that's the same exact shot. So this isn't like a new asset like we've seen a few times uh, throughout these new episodes. It's interesting to have Frylock telling Shake to go to his room. Surely Frylock would know Shake doesn't have a room, right? Like, I don't really get that. But it's a fun callback, you know, at the end of the episode here, a reference to previous episodes, which I always enjoy when they do that, especially this show having as little continuity as, as it does have. It's always a treat to get a little callback like that. Although, like when I was talking with Matt and Dave, you know, it's like, Shake does have other options. I get it. He doesn't have a room. I guess they don't have a bathroom, even though in Season 2, Episode 4's Supercomputer, we clearly see Meatwad taking a shower in a bathroom in the house. But regardless, without those two options, like, they have the garage, they have the crawl space, but I guess if if Shake wants to see the, the scene outside, then uh, he's kind of limited to Frylock's room there. So that is Hand Banana, and I do want to apologize. I know I kind of zoomed past this one simply because we had the Matt and Dave interview. I didn't want this podcast to be two and a half hours or three hours long. But you know what? We're not done with the podcast yet. Uh, We've got some thoughts to discuss here. So before I give you my thoughts, of course, I got to give you the thoughts that were had over on the Toon Zone forum the week that this episode premiered all the way back in late October of 2006. As always, link to this thread in the description if you would like to read it yourself. So first up, I would like to comment on a a post by The Mist, who said, Anybody else get a clowning vibe from this episode? For some reason, it reminded me of that one. And I really love this comment because I didn't think about this until reading The Mist's comment here is that, yeah, Hand Banana also has this kind of undertone of dread to it, uh, similar also to maybe Broodwitch or even the cloning. But back to the clowning, there's like some dark kind of stuff going on behind the scenes. And not only with the music in Hand Banana, we have some obviously sinister music playing throughout it, but it is just kind of just dark and, and psychological with the fact that only Carl can hear Hand Banana and that nobody else believes him. So there is a bit of that psychological thriller aspect to this one that we don't see in a lot of Aqua Teen episodes. But when we do see it, I mean, I might be biased here, but I feel like it's always pulled off pretty well. And that is the case here where it's not just Carl getting raped by Hand Banana that is is the bad parts of this episode, but also that nobody believes Carl that this is happening. So yeah, this is definitely a darker one than you would expect, and especially for such a high-rated episode of Aqua Teen. Next up, uh, this is kind of a throwaway comment, but user Vicious says, I don't know if I'm just bored, but this episode made me laugh my ass off. I mean, I don't, I don't understand what they're trying to say here. Yeah, usually when I'm, uh, when I'm preoccupied, I don't laugh at stuff, so I must be bored because I did laugh at this. I don't know why Vicious is having to justify laughing at this episode, but regardless... It's good that they liked it, I guess. Lastly, I want to read to you MacGyver's comment that says, Guess I'm a hypocrite. I found this episode to be hilarious despite my deciding to never watch Moral Oral ever again due to Oral essentially raping the women of his town in God's Chef. Typically, this kind of stuff just isn't up my alley. Oh well. Much better than last week's, which seemed to be made for the sole purpose of saying dick over and over again. The highlight of the episode is, Hand Banana licking his crotch as he spoke to Carl over the phone in Frylock's voice. 
if the rest of the season progresses this way and not like last week's, it should be good. So what MacGyver is referencing here is an episode of Moral Oral where basically Oral justifies that he can masturbate as long as he uses the seed to impregnate women. Then it's okay, then God's fine with it. So that's what he does. He impregnates all these women around town, uh, not so much by having sex with them, but like, you know, with a turkey baster kind of thing. And that's why MacGyver had issue with that episode, understandably. That's, I mean, it's, it's funny, you know, if you listen to the moral oral coverage on the Patreon, I, I love the way that that show uh, plays around with religion in that way. But that's what they're referring to. And they are right in terms of Dickisode. The whole point of Dickisode was for Matt and Dave to have Dick said a bunch of times and gotten past the censors. But I just really liked the way that MacGyver was like, okay, on paper, I wouldn't like this episode. But when I actually saw it, I liked it. Because that's how I feel as well, that, you know, any episode where someone's like, yeah, it's about rape, it's really funny, I wouldn't be interested in. But of course, the way that Aqua Teen pulls it off, uh, they make it pretty easy to laugh at. So those are the three comments I wanted to read to you. Overall, a lot of people really like this one over there. I don't want to say this was an instant classic over there, but there was a big sentiment of enjoying this one more than Dickisode. I didn't see that many people disliking this one, and it was a lot of people just saying, yes, like I like this. I hope that it's like this going forward. So again, link in the description if you want to see what was being said when this episode aired. But uh, in terms of what is being said about this episode now, let's jump in to my final thoughts on Hand Banana. Before I ever recorded a single episode of Dancing is Forbidden, I actually lamented over this episode and assumed that I would never cover Hand Banana. Partly because of, like, not wanting to put myself out there publicly laughing at these kinds of jokes. I thought maybe it could be taken out of context or, or something along those lines. And also because I thought it would be a pain in the ass to cover because I didn't want to laugh at, you know, Carl getting raped by Hand Banana and then have to keep apologizing for it and explaining the, the joke and, you know, explaining for myself, like, why I'm laughing and things like that. After a certain point, I was like, okay, maybe I could just do it as a Patreon episode because at least people on the Patreon know what I'm about and they're not going to uh, maybe be upset at me over doing an episode like this. But ultimately, after covering all of the previous 59 episodes of Aqua Teen, I really wanted to cover this one simply because I want to cover every Aqua Teen episode and I want it to be accessible to everybody, and I know this is a lot of people's favorite episode, and I didn't want to disappoint those people. And, I mean, going into Hand Banana, like, I was surprised watching it back how good this episode was. I was expecting just to not like it because of the content of, of what happens in it, but I truly do think that it's an interesting episode of the show. I think it's a tight episode of the show. I think there's some great jokes, some great quotes, some great performances from Dave specifically. I mean, again, he's doing a lot of heavy lifting here as Carl, Hand Banana, Enforcer, or Spaghetti, and also Meatwad. I mean, he just carries this episode uh, beyond writing it as well, right? And, and being the creator of the show. And there's more to this one than the rape aspect to it. Of course, that's the most glaringly memorable element of it. But again, to the horror elements that we've been discussing throughout the entire episode. And also this kind of nihilistic approach that we sometimes get from Aqua Teen. Not always, but occasionally we do. I think just makes for an interesting bit of television. And I mean, of course, like, 
look, you get it. This episode isn't endorsing rape or anything like that. I think we're all on the same page on that, and I really didn't want to beat that point home and keep disrupting the podcast episode over it. But again, there's more to this episode than just those aspects. Something else I enjoyed from this one that I didn't really uh, mention until now would be kind of like this framing device of Frylock over the course of the episode reading the back of the box. So like the back of the box, it starts off kind of innocent. And at the very end, he's saying how like you should never create your own dog. So, you know, in real life, you would probably read all that back of the box in one go. But in the episode, it's fun the way that Frylock is like reading a little bit at a time as the events or the corresponding events almost are unfolding throughout the episode. So I hadn't seen this one probably since around 2008. Like I really hadn't seen it in a long time. And my first time re-exposing myself to it for this podcast was actually an audio form. I was at work and I can listen to podcasts and such at work. So I'm like, you know what, let me listen to Hand Banana so I can start thinking of, of things to say about it before I even got a chance to watch it. And just listening back to it, just as the radio play, just the audio, I was like, God damn it, man, this episode is way better than I remembered. So again, I went into this one expecting to dislike it. I really thought that people who loved this one really just liked the shocking aspect of it. But I did come through uh, having an appreciation for this one, and I do understand why it is one of the most popular episodes of the show. You know, like Matt and Dave, I don't agree that it's like a good example of the show because most episodes, first of all, are not this this graphic in, in their content. They're also not this dark. Like Aqua Teen, again, does get dark, but I, I wouldn't say that's like an overarching theme of the show. My suggestions uh, for good episodes that kind of are, are good representations of Aqua Teen would be something like The Shaving, where we see these kind of incompetent villains, uh, something like... MCP Pants as well, the first one, or Total Recarl, because a big part of Aqua Teen is abusing Carl, but I think Total Recarl is done in maybe a more palatable way, even though it's still horrible. But those are just a few of, of my uh, go-tos for the uninitiated. And you know what? Having mentioned the shaving and thinking about the incompetent villains throughout Aqua Teen, like the Plutonians, the Moon Knights... Hand Banana's probably one of the most competent villains in the entire series, right? He actually gets away with what he does, and he does it pretty masterfully. So I guess kind of props to Hand Banana in that department, because we have seen so many villains up until this point completely fail. I mean, even go and look at Season 2, Episode 24's The Last One, where we have all the villains coming together, and they all fail. But Hand Banana... He succeeds. Although I guess technically he's not actually doing anything to the Aqua Teens. He's messing around with Carl. So having said all of that, to give this one a rating, I think I gotta give Hand Banana four and a half DNAs out of five. A very solid episode. I understand why it's a lot of people's favorite. It's not one of my very most favorite episodes, but I think it's a very solid episode. So that is our hand banana coverage. Thank you so much to Dave Willis and Matt Malero for giving us their time to reminisce about this episode, talk a little bit about this episode, taking time away from their upcoming projects for this podcast for us. Thank you so much to SwimWiki for signing on to the Patreon this month and supporting this show. If you would like to support this show, again, it is patreon.com slash dancingisforbidden link in the description if you want to support this show but you can't afford to totally understandable look i grew up 
uh, without electricity at times, okay? I get it. Just sharing the show, just telling one person about the show really, truly helps out. I love doing this podcast. I'd like to keep doing it. And in order for that to happen, I have to keep growing it. And that's where I need your help one way or the other. So in the meantime, thank you to our Highlander, Nick. There can be only one. There's only one time that I know of that we see the knitting game in Aqua Teen Hunger Force, just like there's only one Nick. Also, thank you to our number one in the Hood G tier supporters, Sean, Ian, Captain Buford, Robison, Jason, Carl, Lacheratone69, Empower706, SwimWiki, Carson, and Lurvenator. You guys can share my baked goods any day of the week. I'll see you next week. Till then, keep it cool. Take it easy. Fuck MASH. This, this morning, you...